0: Hello and welcome to the Fuji podcast. Today, we're gonna to be talking about Java EE, Jakarta EE, and their role in a cloud-first environment. Specifically, we're going to talk about what's the role of a 10-year-old server-based specification for app servers when many things in the cloud are serverless or server service-based. And with the development of things like microprofile containers and thin wars, there's actually a lot more than you'd expect for the current Jakarta EE, and it's nothing like its early 2000s heavyweight cousin. And with the migration from Java EE to Jakarta EE, that's now hosted at the Eclipse Foundation with tons of industry contributors, there's a lot of great things for everyone.
1: Welcome to the FoodJay podcast, all your news about OpenJDK.
0: Now I'm going to go through and we're going to introduce the guests on today's podcast.
2: Hi there. Uh, My name is Ivar Grimstad. I'm the Jakarta EE developer advocate at Eclipse Foundation. And I'm happy to be here at the Fuji podcast, and so thank you for inviting me.
3: Yeah, hello, I'm Rita de Busser, I'm working as product manager for Payara at the moment. So my goal is to have a nice implementation of the entire Jakarta EE spec within our products. And of course, very, um, very nice to be um, invited for this uh, talk.
1: My name is Josh Juno. I'm a Java EE,
3: Jakarta EE
1: developer, and DBA by day. I'm an author and open source contributor by night, and I really appreciate the invite. This is going to be fun.
0: And I'm Eric Koslow. I handle developer relations for contrast security. We help embed security tools inside of applications and very much in the Java and Jakarta EE specification to pick out ways that those applications are vulnerable and uh, demonstrate it to people so that they can actually fix security risk in custom and third party code. And what we want to do to start the podcast is to go through and summarize a couple of the recent articles that have gone on on Fuji that relate to Jakarta EE ecosystem. So the first one that we want to talk about, it was called, is the Java Jakarta EE deployment model out of date? So, Rudy, since you deal a lot with Pyara and the the presence of different Java EE and Jakarta EE specifications, do you mind summarizing this one and just giving us a little bit of background?
3: Yeah, sure. Um... Well, for those that, uh, that know Jakarta, you have a deployment model where you build your application uh, within a WAR file or an EAR file, and then you run it on the runtime. That's also called the application server sometimes. There is a lot of change uh, during the last 10 years or so. Uh, there are um, movements of going to a FAT jar application, for instance. Where you combine the runtime and your application into one um, artifact and run it as such. But we still think that the deployment model of Jakarta EE is a very good one, because the developer needs to concentrate on creating the application. Uh, it should not be working around how should I deploy this in the environment? Is it how is the is the environment a cloud environment? Is the environment Um, maybe even a Raspberry Pi. So he needs to concentrate on delivering the functionalities. The second step is then, how do you get your application up and running? And that's something different. With that deployment model of um, Jakarta, you can perfectly balance those two. You have the developer who creates the application, and then later on, the operations can deploy it and configure it wherever they like. So... Um, they don't need to care uh, the, the developers don't need to care about um, the infrastructure which is always nice they should concentrate on what they should do providing functionality for the end user so besides that uh, hollow uh, the that tin war file uh, which uh, we uh, we have with the Jakarta the fat jar has um, it has some advantages because it is uh, just simple one single artifact that you need to um, install but Currently, uh, we, we mentioned in the cloud era, um, a lot of a lot of those systems are using containers with different layers. If you package your your application together with your runtime, then every single line that you change within your code results in an entire new image, container image that not only contains that one single change but and also includes the unchanged runtime. So that's an overhead which slows down your deployment and etc. So with that deployments model, although it is 10, 20 years old, well, that fits perfectly for your cloud environment. Because if your application change, your war file changes and only that change is pushed to your infrastructure. So for me, that are two main reasons why Jakarta deployment model is still a very good one, a very good fit for today's applications, even in the cloud. Um, environment.
0: Got it. And what's, what exactly is the difference between a thin war and a fat war?
3: Well, yeah, so with a thin war file, you only have your application code, eh? so your business logic that you have written for your application, um, maybe some third party dependencies that you are required for that specific application, only that is included within the war file but not your runtime. So for instance, Payara Server or Payara Micro is not included in that um, TIN War file, in that artifact. That means it is much smaller. It is uh, sometimes m- much smaller than one megabyte. Um, and that means that it is easier to transport, it is faster, etc. And as I said, you don't need to push every time that big layer uh, to your infrastructure because um, you have changed one little line of code. Because in that fadjar there is not only your application, but the entire runtime. I would just like to add that I really do think
1: that there is still a place in the world for monolithic applications and deploying to an application server uh, container. Uh, you know, um, not every application is well suited for the microservices or cloud-based deployment. There are lots of enterprises that really rely upon Application server containers, and there are also ways to to make applications uh, modular and still run them in the same container. You know, you can have different portions of an application running in uh, an application server container, and you know, uh, swap them out as needed or modify as needed. Um, and it's still a very efficient way to run Java EE and Jakarta EE applications. So, I, I do think that the uh, deployment model is still valid in this in this era and I think it will be valid for a long time to come.
0: So this actually sounds really helpful because it used to be the days of you had a a server that was there and the server would already be installed with like a Pyara or a web server or WebLogic. But Rudy, it sounds like what you're saying is now you can package the the application server or like the Pyar MicroProfile runtime as part of the application so that if you need to deploy somewhere, it's not like you're deploying to this pre-existing server that's been set up. It seems like you're deploying the whole application all in one, which probably makes it makes it easy to go, especially to like a horizontally scalable environment.
3: It is, it is possible, but it's not a requirement because, as I mentioned, you can easily do the same thing, even the horizontal uh, scaling, without having a fat share file. So the cho- uh, the the fact that you choose to include the runtime, yes or no, that's that has no, nothing to do how you are going to run it. So you can indeed includes within your application the payara micro runtime but you can also keep it outside of it so you can start Payara micro like uh, a java minus jar option so you start the runtime as a simple java um, application and then you point to the war file and it it loads that war file at the same time it uh, that is it is running your um, payara micro application so it, it is a possibility, we, we have included it for those who want it, but it's not a requirement so that um, deployment model of a separate work file, you can still use it today, even with that more modern approach of that Pyara Micro, which is not really an installable artifact, but you just run it and it installs it during the boot of the runtime itself.
0: Okay, cool, so it sounds like the Jakarta EE deployment model is still modern and definitely not out of date because you can change it to whatever you want it to be given the way that your application works.
3: Yes, correct.
0: Nice. All right. And with that, with the Java deployment model being uh, present in date, we have a, right now we're in kind of a cloud first world where everybody wants to deploy things up into the cloud. You've got AWS, you've got uh, Azure, you've got GCP, and you have all these different areas with servers and services. So one of the other articles that we had on Fuji is also called um, is Java and Jakarta EE cloud native. So when we talk about the deployment model, what can we say about the cloud readiness of Java and Jakarta EE?
2: Yeah, so so the, this
0: article is actually
2: a kind of a pointer to a webinar series that Steve Millage from Payara did and uh, I would really encourage everybody who has the time over to go and and look at that that webinar. It's uh, is it five or six episodes and and they're all very relevant and uh and uh, absolutely something you should. listen mentor. And it it actually this article ties very well into the things that Rudy was talking about. And uh, and uh, is Java or Jakarta EE cloud native, and how do you run the application securely in the in the uh, cloud? And, and and to be able to talk about there's you kind of have to define what is cloud native and to 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 really define cloud native I'll, i'll actually read some of this stuff from the cloud native foundation that where they define cloud native and that is cloud native technologies empower organizations to build and run scalable applications in modern dynamic environments such as public private and hybrid clouds so that is one part of it. So so you're actually running, if you're running and able to run your application in a cloud environment, you're actually cloud native, sort of. Uh, the other thing is that the, uh, the Cloud Native Computing Foundation seeks to drive adoption of this paradigm by fostering and sustaining an ecosystem of open source vendor neutral projects. And when you talk about open source and vendor neutral, that's where Eclipse Foundation fits in and that's where Jakarta E fits in. So all these technologies within Jakarta EE are vendor-neutral, they're open standards, so you can build your applications and deploy to any cloud that offers them. And and one interesting thing, if we tie back to the article that Rudy was talking about is the the old style of developing Java EE and Jakarta EE uh, uh, applications where you you had your server running somewhere down in the basement or, or somewhere, uh, often under the desk of the developer, but uh, we don't talk about that. Uh, so so you would deploy your application to the application server, and you wouldn't only deploy one application. You would deploy two or three and all of your applications into the same application server so that they were all running on this poor little machine under the desktop. And And this way of deployment... That's that's not actually how you do things today when you develop a modern Jakarta EE application. The way you do it today is that you have one application server and one application. So you deploy one application into your application server, and then you wrap that in a container or somewhere and run it wherever you want. And And... Uh, if you think about this model, the previous model, where you had all the applications and put them in, stuff them into your application server, well, that's actually what we're doing today when we're taking all our uh, applications and r- smashing them into a Kubernetes cluster and let that stuff manage everything. So so it's kind of the same thing. We just added the deployment thingy to it. So so all developers are now, in addition to writing the, the, the actual code that, earns you money, the functionality code that Ridley was talking about, what you should focus on. We are also writing a lot of YAML to kind of orchestrate all these uh, containers. And and if you think about how Jakarta-E and the model that we used to have the the ability to deploy all applications into a server that somebody else was taking care of. If you have a a system like, uh, like for example, Payara Cloud, or... Uh, other providers out there where they manage these application servers in a way that they scale horizontally uh, uh, as much as you want and you as a developer you focus on on building your application in the thin war and throw it down the cloud and let them handle it that's kind of the dream world for an uh, for an uh, developer and when you add these open standards and, and open source APIs that you're using, if I want to move to another vendor, well, I'll take my Thinwar or my my Jaccari application and deploy it on another another cloud. As long as I follow the standards, there's no vendor tie-in, and I can deploy it anywhere I want in any cloud and let the people that actually know how to configure these things configure them for me so I can focus on making money. After all, we are Java developers and not... uh, configuration script developers.
0: Yeah, one of the ways that I deploy some of the code that I work on in my spare time, you know, Java developer by night, Josh, to play off your term, um, I, I've really taken a liking to the Quirkus framework. And so I just write a bunch of web actions that I test locally on my own system through just straight up HTTP. Then I native compile it, and it autom- I can automatically push it up into um, AWS Lambda or Azure Functions and the whole thing just works there immediately, and it takes care of the the API gateway. It takes care of the execution, and it's just it's the code that I'm I've written, tested locally, running native serverless on the cloud. Yeah, and and when you actually think about that, you're
2: using the same APIs, the same technologies as you would use if you're writing a monolithic application for a bank in a server vault, or if you're creating microservices. Or if you're creating serverless functions, it's all Jakarta e APIs. It's all the same technology. So it's very flexible and can address any needs you, you would have as a developer.
0: Yeah, it's actually what I've been doing. I think it's amazing because locally it's a monolith um when i deploy it to the aws lambda it's no longer monolithic or maybe it is i don't really know the details but the whole thing just runs and i was talking with adam bean uh, a while ago and he tells me that it's actually just using microprofile under the hood
2: oh yeah so Quarkus uh, supports uh, some of the the microprofile apis uh, and and also they uh, incorporate a lot of Jakarta technologies as well as spring technology so 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 they, they have the possibility to to package a lot of stuff in in, in that runtime. All
0: right, Josh, what are you deploying up into cloud native applications through just the the standard Jakarta EE specification? Like how often are you seeing people use that? and how often do you use it yourself?
1: Actually, I'm a bad person to ask on that one because I don't really deploy to the cloud.
0: That's all right. So you just have a really cool environment, maybe under your desk, the area that we're not supposed to yeah, talk about?
1: My, my server is under the desk. Uh, no, we, we do have uh, kind of a local uh, server environment that that I deploy to, and so it's not really cloud-based uh, yet. It works uh, very well for our needs. And um, it does seem, though, uh, that most of the applications that, that I am uh, working with are – Either still uh, in the monolithic uh, format, or uh, we are broken out into individual services uh, that are run in, in separate more files, uh, and those are then deployed to, you know, uh, the scalable uh, PaaS server or an, another local uh, application server container that is uh, just on a, a server, a virtual server, uh, sitting in the environment.
0: Okay, so this is probably one of the reasons why it's beneficial that Jakarta EE is both cloud native and can also run locally. Because I used to do a lot of cost analysis of companies that would do migrations to the cloud, and some of them would consume like three times their budget in about a fourth of their annual cost. So imagine something costing three times the amount of your yearly spend in about a fourth of that time. Like it's insanely expensive. So, what would happen is, even though I know as like developers and people in technology were supposed to talk about everything moving to the cloud, a lot of these organizations would start to move there. And then they'd say, "Whoa, whoa, we got to scale this stuff back. And then they would put it into a data center or something that ran in the on-premises environment, um, just purely on a, a cost and effort basis. So I know it's real common for a lot of organizations to mix and match both of these.
1: Yeah, and I do believe that there are some security considerations for those who, you know, uh, some organizations that do not want to be in the cloud for that reason, or, you know, it's just not an acceptable approach in some circumstances. So uh, having the ability to, you know, choose, uh, be dynamic and and, uh, deploy to the cloud or deploy to a local server environment, you know, it really is beneficial.
3: Maybe I can I can uh, comment on this that our that we see when our customers are using it that you have the entire range you have people who just um, run it on um, a physical hardware so a physical server that is indeed stored somewhere under the desktop or in a separate room if we see them um, environments uh, with virtual machines uh, locally or uh, within a data center. We see them running on Azure and AWS. So we see the entire range um, of options and possibilities used uh, within our uh, customer base. So that's, I think, one of the benefits you can choose what um, suits you the most. And indeed, migration to the cloud can be sometimes costly because maybe they want to do more than they need to do. Um, as Ivor um, mentioned, what is cloud native? Basically, it is... Um, running within a cloud environment, making use of those um, cloud resources uh, like maybe monitoring and and routing etc a bit of automation but nothing prevents you um, from using whatever technology you like for that cloud native solution. So Jakarta ee perfectly matches uh, within that um, within that image. All right.
0: Yeah, I think the, the only thing that I kind of I, I like what I'm seeing in the Jakarta EE space and in all these Fuji articles, I think probably the only thing I don't like is something called Betridge's Law of Headlines, which is more a journalist activity that anytime a question or anytime a headline is a question that can be answered yes or no, the answer is usually no. But in this case, the answer is yes. So it, it's a bit of a headline state that we could probably change that because it seems like this is a really beneficial thing that makes it easy to deploy an application, whether that runs uh, locally as a monolith in the environment we're not supposed to talk about or up in the cloud.
1: And I I agree that's just, again, to repeat it, that's one of the major benefits of running with Jakarta EE is you've got that flexibility to run it where you'd like and uh, however it best suits your organization.
3: Yeah, and to come back to that story where we say that uh, developers need uh, to focus on uh, on functionality and not about their environment or even writing YAML, because a lot of people don't like writing YAML and, and all those kind of things. Um, that's, that is actually the goal of um, of our product, which we have now in the pipeline, which is called uh, Payara Cloud. That you only need to worry about that WAR file, and you upload that WAR file into um, the environment, and the environment takes care of deploying it for you. So um, you have the ability to specify some parameters, uh, like configuration parameters, like where is my database located or which are the values of my um, configuration uh, parameters. But after that, it, uh, it takes care of... Um, creating the container image for you. It takes care of um, deploying that within uh, the, uh, for the moment, the Azure uh, environment, and um, they're running it on a Kubernetes system, so you don't need to write YAML yourself. It's done for you. It takes care of providing the routing. It takes care of the um, SSL configuration, so that you have is your application with secure endpoints, etc. Again, that's the same deployment model as Jakarta. You just deploy your WAR file, as Ivar said, to throw it on the cloud, and the cloud knows what to do with it. That's that's the main idea of uh, what we are doing now with with Bayara Cloud. For the moment, we don't have uh, the opportunity to to do have a free trial, but it is just um, the deploying of your WAR file in an environment. So it is exactly the same as what you do when you would uh, run Payara server locally. So, I um, mean, in, in th- th- that in that sense, um, it works as expected um, with, uh, if you know Payara.
0: Cool, so if I want to try that, I can just go ahead and use Payara server, deploy any more that I want to my local system, and it's basically the same thing, just I, I have less scalability because I don't need that when I test.
3: Yes. Correct. So we are working on some scalability features and functionality, but for in the first version, uh, it is just uh, running your application as, as, as it is. Um, later on, we will uh, adding the, f- um, the options to have your scalability defined uh, based on the numbers of requests or the load of your environment, for instance.
0: One of the other good articles that came into the Fuji environment was just uh, another question of why Java developers continue to rely on Jakarta EE. And we've been talking about a lot of this uh, over time of how it simplifies deployment in terms of writing a single application and just being able to help someone else manage the infrastructure. Um, But, Josh, do you want to talk a little bit about uh, why developers are still relying on Jakarta EE and Java EE?
1: Sure, that's, that one is easy. I think it's standardization. I uh, For years now, uh, you know, the Jakarta, Jakarta EE platform uh, may be named different, but it still uses the same APIs as Java EE has been using for years. Uh, I think if you go back to Java EE 5, the platform started to change into a more modern platform. So uh, at that point, we started to see uh, easier deployment for EJBs and, and APIs that made things much easier to use. Uh, and then from there, you know, you move on to EE6 uh, and 7, and things got much, much more streamlined and much more easy to develop and much, uh, much more sophisticated, uh, without all of the XML configuration and whatnot that was required in the early days of, of Java EE. And so now today, you know, if you go to uh, Jakarta uh, EE, it's very much uh, the same as we had in Java EE 8, but now there is a new uh, namespace. So instead of using Java X, you will use Jakarta, yeah, and that is basically the only difference at this point. However, it is more geared towards the cloud, uh, because at this point, there are more APIs that are going to be uh, added. It's more extensible, and uh, it works very well with uh, solutions such as MicroProfile, very pluggable. uh, And so you have uh, flexibility in your architecture, and you can uh, use things that you would like to use or not use other portions of uh, the platform. So that's another benefit is that there are multiple profiles for Jakarta EE. you can If you think you are going to be building an application or a service that wants to make use of everything that's part of uh, Jakarta EE, you can do that. Uh, otherwise, if you only want to use certain pieces of the platform, you know, there's a web profile, and I know in the future, uh, there are discussions about making even more profiles uh, to make things more streamlined. Another nice thing is, uh, As mentioned by Ivar earlier, the the backward compatibility and standardization, like I had mentioned, really, if you're building a Jakarta EE application, you can still utilize all that functionality that was built possibly years ago uh, on an earlier version of Java EE. You may have a little bit of import changes to make uh, with your namespace conversion, but it's still basically the, the same underlying APIs, which gives you nice stability and it's also very easy to configure. As I had mentioned, there are very uh, little to no lines of XML that need to be uh, written nowadays to deploy. Uh, You can, if you would like to configure and fine-tune things, uh, utilize XML, but most of this now is uh, this configuration is uh, happening in annotations. So, there is much less configuration that is needed and much more programming, or excuse me, I shouldn't say much more, but, but it's much more on the uh, you know developer side where we can use nice features such as annotations uh, to, to do our configuration rather than uh, going into XML. And uh, also, there are lots of different uh, containers uh, that are compatible with Jakarta If you go and look at the Jakarta EE site right now, you can see the compatible implementations. And so you've got lots of flexibility on where you'd like to deploy. You know, you may build an application using GlassFish and then deploy to uh, something like Pyara, or you can go to Wildfly or some other container uh, of your choosing. So you've got lots of flexibility for the different, uh, you know, uh, deployment containers that you choose.
0: So in terms of an application migration, I know we have a lot of years of Java EE, and I do agree. Everything that I use is annotations based, and I typically have an environment or properties file that specifies like where the database or where the the message queue is. So it's really easy. This notion that it's heavyweight and stuff, at least I haven't found that for over you know fifteen years or so. So, Ivar, as the Eclipse Foundation kind of became the new steward of the Jakarta EE and you have the namespace change, um, what are some of the things that people do to manage those import statements and just make a, a simple migration to, to take advantage of the new ecosystem? So, uh, you have several opportunities there. and uh,
2: but, but before I go there, uh, I just also want to add something to what Josh said here. And, and also, you have the from from before you were thinking of a a, a jakarta ee or java ee application server as something big and heavy but but the implementations nowadays the, the modern implementations of uh, compatible implementations of jakarta ee are much more streamlined and smaller than ever and they are so modular that y- you only kind of get what you need you can configure them to just pick and uh, the chooses uh, the pieces that you actually need in your application and and have a minimal uh, runtime out of it. So it's not like you need the entire WebSphere or or WebLogic or or you name it. it. You kind of get the pieces that you need. So so the namespace migration and uh, th- this is actually something that is relevant not only for Jakarta e-developers, because if you think about it, if you're using Spring Framework, you're probably running it on a Tomcat embedded in Spring Boot or Jetty or something. And all of these are on the Jakarta namespace. So it will affect other developers than those who are pure Jakarta e-developers. And and there are tools to help you with it. it. It's not that hard to do manually, but if you want to do it uh, by just having your uh, bytecode transformed, you can use a tool called the Eclipse Transformer that will take your your bytecode and change it from the uh, Java X namespace to the Jakarta namespace. Now, if you don't want to use the Eclipse tool, you can, you can go to Apache and find the uh, Apache Tomcat migration tool, which will do the same thing. So, so you can pick and choose what tool uh, you want. And if you don't want to do this, and stick to the Java X namespace. Well, most of these implementations of Jakarta E actually embed a, the transformer or similar tooling in the runtime so you can deploy your Java X-based application and it will be at runtime transformed to uh, Jakarta and run as if it were on the new namespace. What I would recommend a developer to do if you have can do it is to actually do the change yourself. And, and and transform it and not do the bytecode manipulation and for that good luck there's tooling there as well the the latest version of IntelliJ has built-in migration support so you can just open up your application on the javax namespace click migrate to Jakarta, and you're done so so there are lots of options out there to do, to do this stuff for you so Wait, so well, that- there are no way to no, no reason to to
0: wait it's just go in there and click migrate and you're done wow that's cool i didn't know that the ide would literally just go ahead and do it for you for your custom code yeah it will
2: uh, I, I i'm not sure if it's actually out there or, or if it's still a, a beta but the
0: next version of intellij will definitely support this yeah that sounds like something that they would be doing but that's just i, I mean that's cool because now you can take credit for it and then like Yeah, maybe spend some time, go do something else for a while, and say, "Oh, I spent two hours uh, changing something, and you know, (laughs) kick back and relax." I guess. Exactly.
1: Rudy, uh, question: Does uh, Pyra, the current versions of Pyra server, don't they use the Eclipse Transformer if you would like to um, utilize the Jakarta namespace?
3: Yes, correct. Our um, current version of uh, Pyra five uses uh, the transformer. So that um, you can use the newer versions, uh, the, the Jakarta-based namespace applications, on your on your existing Payara five. So you don't need to to change. Um, the reason behind that is that maybe you have a larger organization and you don't want to switch in a, at a certain moment, so that you can do a gradual um, switch from the from one namespace to the other. And um, yeah, as Ivar mentioned. I think all vendors have that um, also in their newer pro- pro- product uh, based on the Jakarta namespace, um, because J- uh, Java EE and also Jakarta EE is known for its uh, backwards compatibility. Uh, you also mentioned it, just. So this namespace uh, change, uh, although it was required for legal reasons, is of course a big event in, in the community because it is uh, for the first time in um, let's say 20 years that uh, such thing happened, that there is a major breaking change that something potentially did not work from from before. So um, that's the reason why all those um, vendors put it in their products so that the ease of migration um, is easier and can be managed uh, more gradually.
0: Yeah, even though that namespace migration looks like a big event on paper, I haven't really seen too many problems or difficulties with it. Like almost everything that I see works just fine. I'm sure I've probably seen something not work, but like I'm trying to think of it now and I can't come up with an example. I'm just kind of keeping a door open to pretend that something isn't. Yeah, and and
2: what we also see is that most products, uh, open source projects or, 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 and others out there are adopting the namespace. So uh, you can already run Hibernate with the, the Jakarta namespace. And as I mentioned, uh, Jetty and Tomcat, uh, the, the next major versions of Spring Framework and Spring Boot will also adopt the uh, Jakarta namespace. Because if you think about it, if you're using Spring Framework, you're using a lot of Jakarta E-E code underneath. And and also some of them are actually exposed to you, like Bean Validation is used directly in in, in Spring, uh, as well as uh, the as I mentioned the Hibernate for persistence. So so when these kind of products are moving to the Jakarta namespace, Spring Framework will follow, and and then then you will see all the the, the uh, major group of developers moving over to Jakarta namespace as well.
0: Yeah, there's so much cool stuff here. I know I talk to people all the time who say, ha ha, I don't use EE, I use Spring. And, you know, you just kind of sit there and you go, oh, but did you know it actually uses EE under the hood? So congratulations, you are actually using it. Yeah, that's right. Or I know I, I like I said, I'm a big fan of Corcus because it just it has made a lot of good decisions and kind of gives me an easy to develop with framework. And, uh, you know, when I was having that conversation with Adam, I, w- I was surprised how much of it is actually just picking up parts of Jakarta EE and like showing them to me.
2: Yeah, and and one thing we're actually working on, you mentioned it briefly uh, previously, for Jakarta 10, uh, we are introducing a new profile, uh, which we're calling the, the core profile, and and one of the goals of this profile is to make uh, runtimes like Quarkus able to be certified on Jakarta as well. So so we're we're creating a subset of technologies, and also. Uh, streamlining some some of them that it makes it easier to do the native uh, compilation that Corcus does. So so you w- you would be able to have smaller runtimes that are uh, certified Jakarta EE core profile and and be compiling to native. So so that's a step in 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 the even further a step in the direction of the cloud.
0: Cool, yeah, I remember the last thing that I natively compiled, it went from um, about a 70 megabyte deployable to about a 20 megabyte deployable, and is, I think, about five times faster.
2: Yeah, so when you're doing that, you can
0: kind of stop talking about E being big and slow. Yeah, my stuff starts up in like 100 milliseconds, so like slow is not the word I would use. Yeah and and uh what we're also
2: working on now is uh, as i said we're working on on 10 and actually uh, last week we announced the re- the release plan for E10. and uh we are um, going to start releasing the individual specifications uh, as soon as in uh, October and and continue that release process because there are some dependencies between them so just do it slowly and carefully and and make sure everything is right and then be able to release a version of platform and the web profile in Q1 next year. And the core profile will follow uh, shortly after that. So so we will have, uh, we're doing something new here by releasing the profiles independently. And uh, we're doing it uh, approximately a year after the, the last release, so it's a pretty fast pace of of, uh, development going on there in in Jakarta EE right now.
0: All right, so if we want to get started and use uh, Jakarta EE uh, 9 today, which is the the current version, what level of support is there for building the applications, whether it's a Greenfield app or whether we're doing the the migrations, like what tools are people using?
1: Well, I know that Apache NetBeans uh, 12.4 has Jakarta EE 9 support in it. Uh, you can also use 12.5, which is currently in beta, and uh, that will allow you to use uh, Glassfish 6. Uh, so there is there is support out there, and uh, actually for the namespace migration is very easy to do as well. You know you can just go ahead and start to uh, create applications in NetBeans and use Jakarta EE-9 as your, as your specification, and then just start to use the, the new namespace, and there, everything seems to work uh, seamlessly. And I know that uh, also, as Ivar had mentioned earlier, IntelliJ has support for Jakarta EE-9 as well. I'm not sure. Uh, does anyone know about Eclipse?
2: They do have some support for some of the APIs. There is a project that is pretty interesting going on in in Eclipse Foundation. It's it's, uh, mainly driven by some students that are being guided by engineers from IBM, uh, which is a language server for Jakarta EE. So so they're developing a language server for some of the APIs, and these are uh, running uh, very smoothly and nicely in the Eclipse IDE as well. And, And this is a open standard language server protocol. So basically every IDE could use it if they wanted to.
0: Cool. So that'll help people simplify the migration of um, ensuring their application is up to date as they bring their start times down to like the 100 millisecond that modern Jakarta EE gets.
1: Another thing that should be mentioned is that there is a, you know, a landing page now for on the web, such as uh, with other frameworks. You can go ahead and just create a standard out of the box uh, Jakarta e application just with the click of a button now integrating uh, in whatever uh, technologies you'd like to use and then to deploy it. And it will just uh, go ahead and run.
0: Oh, cool. So, so kind of like the Spring Initializer or the, sure. the Code.Quarkus where you just say, like, I want this and this, and it gives you a, a skeleton project where you have, like, only the parts of the spec that you need and nothing else?
1: Yeah, that's correct. You can choose what you'd like to use. And and also the other solution is um, if you're using MicroProfile, which is also a Jakarta-E compliant, uh, that also has a similar interface on the web. So easy to create an application. There's just a very small skeleton application and build up from there if you are if you want to create from scratch.
3: Yes, um, indeed there is there are exciting times uh, it's not that uh, because Jakarta uh, or uh, the ancestor Java is twenty years old that you cannot use uh, um, with modern technologies. Uh, you can just deploy it where you like where you like. Uh, for the, for example, a cloud is there a nice one for? So, yeah, we are very um, keen to see the the next steps uh, with Jakarta EE 10, the new functionality and features and and beyond that, because it seems to have uh, regained again a lot of of growth. And uh, and we are happy then, of course, because uh, we are uh, a big fan of uh, Jakarta EE.
2: Yeah, it's pretty amazing that the technology can live on for so many years and still be vibrant. We have a large community of contributors, uh, there are companies and there are individuals, and we're always looking for more. So if you are interested in participating uh, within Jakarta go to Jakarta.e, connect with us and uh, start joining, uh, developing this ex- excellent technology.
0: Uh, yeah, there, there's definitely a lot of cool and really great stuff going on. and It's really easy to use. It's really easy to use locally, and it's really easy to use up in the cloud. So I think a lot of great things have uh, been getting done in that ecosystem. All right. Thank you both. Or thank you all very much for attending today's podcast. And I want to thank everyone else for listening.
1: Give me a foo. Give me a J. Give me the friends of OpenJDK.